Hello and welcome to Progressive Mindset. I'm Bradley Monday. And I'm Jason Kemsley. I'm quite, I quite enjoy the thought of this one. Today we're going to be talking about building a business for longevity. A business that can sustain the test of time. A business that can continue through the ups and downs of the wild west, which is the economies of the world at the moment. And how, how you do it, you know, where you start and how best to achieve it, I guess. And maybe looking at some examples along the way so we can pull some learnings from them too. For sure. And this is all us just repeating, I guess, our learnings. Uh, we, of course, recognise that we're both still relatively young and therefore have, have not been delivered. I think this is the sort of stuff that comes out after you're gone Absolutely. or you've gone into retirement. So we're really going to focus on on two things, right? We're going to focus on, one, as you mentioned, weathering the storm of an econ economic downturn, those kind of things, but also how you create a business that continues on, on the same trajectory or better, continues to strive beyond your position. You've long gone from the business, you've moved on. How do you build that to create that sustainability and longevity that, that sees beyond you? If it's, so if it's okay, I, I, I can start on this exact topic. I, I think the key thing for me out the gate is it's not about you right is many people Amen. create their business about and, and i don't mean you in, in particular personally <laughs> but if if you are the the person if the business you're in or the business you're thinking about you want people to know you as the guy that has this business that isn't longevity unfortunately you can slowly change that but it's not about you it's not about the person that owns it it's not about the person that's the ceo it's about the brand. It's about the wider picture. It's about what you deliver. It's about what you bring to the table. Agreed. Um, and that's not to say that there's not a guy and for you to be the guy at current. And I Absolutely. say that because there will be people listening to the episode, watching the episode that know you as the guy of, of our but business. Our time is still bigger than me. Our brand is still bigger than anything I could ever create because that is equally pushed further than what mine is. Yeah. And you can, so you can fly a flag. It's not to say stop flying the flag, stop being the face of the brand, but be building and be creating the, the processes, the policies, the vision and growing your people sufficiently that when you choose to step out of that role, someone else can step into it. And so there'll still be a guy. It'll just be a different guy. Absolutely. Or girl. Of course, Rome was bigger than Caesar, right? Indeed. But but you you can still link the two together, or the next thing they go on to do. For sure, and and that possibly loops into one of my first big sort of learnings, I think. And I don't know if you feel this too. Your job is to try and make yourself as useless as possible in the day to day, and what I mean by that is. The business should function day to day without you because that is a healthy business. Mm -hmm. That is a business that could continue past you. And that is a business that doesn't require you to be able to deliver the fantastic product, service or whatever it is it's doing. Yeah. Be, be contributing to vision, strategy, but not day to day runnings. Of not the, the delivery. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Be working on the business, not in the business is the is the phrase that you hear all the time. Right? Absolutely. Which possibly brings me to my 
first takeaway for people, hire people smarter than you. You, you, you need to collect any business for longevity and I'm going to touch on some examples, but they hire really smart people or they surround themselves with smarter yeah. people than themselves in their respective areas. And I think that's fair to say that's very much what you done is, is you went, Hey, I know this stuff, but not as well as you, you go do that. Yep. No, for, for sure. And like you said, there is, you can't, especially in the earlier days, you can't always afford to employ those, those smart people. You know, they, they come with a lot of experience usually and they're going to be expensive. So if your business can't afford them, then you go and find them as part of your network. Completely agree. Completely agree. So ongoing planning, knowing where you're going. I mentioned strategy there. That is, I think, one of the important things we need to focus on when creating a business that is, is going to survive, survive you and continue to thrive. And it's more about the conditioning your people on how to deliver planning and and growth right as opposed to being the person to come up with the ideas and deliver it yep so you've got to be you've got to be able to drive that forward planning and really create a culture of of wanting to deliver absolutely there's no point in setting a goal and going well we didn't make it this year <laughs> that's 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 not acceptable that's never going to be an enduring business Yep. Or you're setting the wrong goals, right? <laughs> and that, and that yeah. it's, it's the key thing I want to touch upon is you have to have those short-term goals. Yep. You equally have to have those long-term goals. And a business with longevity has both and tips to scale in the balance between them is you can't be setting very easy to achieve goals in the short term that don't help you take you towards the long term. Likewise, sure. you can't be setting long-term goals that are unachievable because you get switched off very easily, you fall behind, and then you'll get demoralized. So one of the key things in that longevity conversation is balancing where are we trying to head to in 10, 20, 30, 40 years, however long that period is, and what are we doing now that contributes to that as well as the day-to-day. -day. Yeah, and having a supporting framework for that, right, so that all the pieces play into every meeting you're having on the weekly cadence is is supporting the one-year goal is then doing that onward supporting that you mentioned absolutely so to go back to you were talking a little bit about team and and structure and stuff i think it's super critical that you build a, a healthy culture mm -hmm. to have longevity and what i mean by that is you have to have a culture where members aren't scared to bring up innovative ideas members aren't scared to challenge the status quo to continue that drive forward people are in incredibly powerful and there has to be a culture that enables them to progress develop but at the same time progress develop the company if you don't have that i think you're so, you're onto a loser straight away yeah uh, agreed and i heard something recently and i've been playing with this idea of if you can't be replaced you can't be promoted in the in the workplace, it's incredibly common to see people going, right, well, I hold all the cards and therefore I've got job security and I'm super important within this business. There is no one more important and no important and delivering value to your business than someone that 
absolutely can be replaced. It means that they've mentored those around them, they've got great processes down, and they've managed to do what we've just mentioned as as leaders you need to do, which is almost sort of evacuate yourself as much as possible from the day to day. They've managed to achieve that. And having a, a culture internally of, okay, if I want to go and move up in the business, I need to go and mentor someone either around me or at a lower role than me to be able to come up in into my role. I, I love that idea and it, it's something that's happened quite naturally for us, but I think everyone should be focusing in on, hey, I can't promote you unless you've managed to find someone to, to take your place. Oh. There's no one to replace you. I, I it's it's super strange when when I when you think about it, how little succession planning is talked about in SMBs, SMEs, entrepreneurship as a whole. Yep. I don't hear a, a super amount of content around succession planning. And I'm not sure on the, the reasoning or if it's just not a sexy topic to be talking about. But but that is sort of you can have a great culture, you can have a great product, you can have a great service. If you don't always have someone suitable, you're you're slowing yourself down. You're you're. It's like trying to run through mud, almost. Right? You can't you can't do it. And it's a super interesting thing that, as I think of the businesses we know and talk to, I, I never really hear this come up at conventions or events. This succession planning idea. We were very fortunate. I think it happened organically for us because we created a progressive culture so i think the two do go hand in hand if you've got somewhere where they can progress they can develop there's typically a fit maybe not perfectly but there is a fit most of the time yeah i think people need to be purposeful about it as well really to get that in ingrained in culture and make sure that it propagates all the way down and across the entire business Perhaps people don't discuss it because it means either many people are just running a business, right? We're in a we're in an industry where there is lots of acquisition. There are there are many other areas where actually people run in into later life they will run the business themselves. So succession planning means thinking about getting old. Yeah, you know, all of these get getting old or or passing or dropping the ego. Yeah, uh, some people like the fact, right, that actually this business lives and dies with me it needs me uh, so you need to overcome overcome those things to start talking about it and there's lots of people that want to pass that down they they see a business as being a generational thing they want to pass it on to their children and those kind of things and quite often we do want to pass your children a business with longevity though right would, would would you disagree if i made a bold statement of ego is the devil in business no I, I i would absolutely agree and often when people are looking to to hand that down generationally they're doing very little to condition that individual into what it needs and what it takes to they they've often lost or forgotten what it took to get them where they were and that individual needs the same the, the, you know the same set of stuff to absolutely. be able to, to build into that i if it's okay i'd like to talk about something I think you can speak a lot on. Um, maybe not for too long because uh, the episode will go on. But uh, I, I do believe, and I'll, I'll go back to some of the examples in a second, in order to be a business for longevity, uh, 
you have to be willing to take calculated risks. You can never stay stagnant or stationary. You have to take those calculated risks. I know that's something you're a big fan of. Yeah. And maybe you could just talk about how you weigh up those risks or, or how you say, actually, this is the right thing for us, even if no one else sees it. Or So if you want to be a leader in your space, you don't want to be following people, right? You're not the leader if you're the if you're the follower, I think that's that's obvious, but we need to be looking for looking to the future. But if you look at those successful and enduring businesses, actually the steps forward that they're taking tend to be measured smaller steps to the future rather than creating huge leaps. So you always need to be looking and then working out where your next checkpoint is to get there. And yeah, we decided to with a lot of persuasion from myself, <laughs> open an office on the other side of the world. And that's that's a big undertaking. We were a much more... For everyone listening, quite literally, the other side of it, the world. Yeah, it was literally the other side of the world. Um, <laughs> if you'd have gone through the middle, you'd have probably popped out <laughs> in the office. So that's incredibly scary for a, smaller, for a smaller business at the time as well. That had financial implications. Was it going to work? How were we going to manage those people that were awake when we were asleep? And there wasn't a lot of data. I think when you're doing things for uh, other companies have opened offices on the other side of the world. I'm I'm fully, fully aware of that. But in our space, it was about creating a product that wasn't... There wasn't the demand yet. Yeah, and possibly there wasn't the demand because... No one had tried a, it? Actually, <laughs> there, wasn't a pro, there wasn't a product there. So it was a case of, right, what we did was measured how much it was going to cost do a worst case analysis a best case analysis and work out whether your business should it all go wrong can weather that storm and i think whenever you're taking any risk it was a roll of the dice that that's what i refer to that kind of decision there was no data backing us up there was a are people going to buy this thing do we really know what it looks like and and i think it turned out to actually be something it almost carved out a product of its own. We wanted to be able to fight, provide around-the-clock services, but actually we found out that the customer base wanted just that out-of-hours service to, to complement their own offerings. So it was a roll of the dice, and you just need to make sure that you can weather that. If you're going into... I think if we'd have gone, hang on a minute, if this goes wrong, we'd we're, up. we're yep. bankrupt, we're done. That, that's too That's too much of a risk. So really dialing down on those on those finances and we've always been very very good of uh, uh, looking at what is really needed and and what is just extra extra gumph so for example the the type of people that we're going to put in in those roles do we need super expensive people or can we provide the learning and the growth and the progression to, to those people. So we didn't go and hire you know, managers in the local region. We we actually sent people out there that could grow and develop into that role. We the, the person that went out there will not mind me saying... But even just that person, calculated risk, right? There was nothing yeah, to say sure. they were going to be successful, but the, the risk to reward the, the when evaluated, yeah. it, it, it made logical sense. What was the worst case that could happen? And there was probably a 70% chance it was going to pay off. Yeah, I would I would have said it was upwards of certainly upwards of fifty, and it was a calculated risk, 
I go back to the previous episode. Uh, if you got a chance to watch that, I believed that it was going to be successful. And I think therefore we, once you, once you've pressed the button, you then go and make that belief come. You, you pass the point of no return, you go and make it happen. Absolutely. So on, on the, on the point of investing and we were talking about the, uh, the office on the other side of the world that we opened six years or so ago now, this is an interesting one. If you go back a hundred years, I'm not sure this was as much of a topic and I don't know if this is a cultural society thing. Um, but my subsequent point on the investment is I think you need to now be invested in sustainability to be a, a company with longevity or a business with longevity. We didn't know back then what we know now about the planet, the world, where we live, etc. And if we look at people like BrewDog or these other organizations that are making it their mission to be carbon neutral, and there is an element of, I'm not saying you have to take it to that degree because that is an extreme, it's very expensive and not many people have the money to fully revolutionize their business. But there does have to be a portion of you that is that has sustainability in mind. You want the world to be around in a similar position as possible in order f for you to be around in that world in a similar position or or better. And I don't disagree with the sentiment, but I do have a sceptical view on, on this. You who, <laughs> to get ahead, I think, as a business, have to be doing something that is deemed to be good for the planet that and that really does get you ahead we know that recycling of batteries in electric cars for example is incredibly tough if not impossible when they all just go to a place <laughs> to be stored it's actually a lot of businesses are just looking at what what looks good and shiny and green now without actually looking at the, the end result and the real impact in the in the planet longer term. So I'm not sure that I necessarily... And I guess the, the sentiment behind it is you have to be investing in what the next generation find important if we strip it back as much as possible. To have longevity, you do have to be watching the next generation at all times. Yep. So I think sustainability is huge because for the next generation it's huge. I'm not saying it is that particular topic forever, but the generation after that might care about the population of pandas. And so everyone should sponsor a panda. It could be any particular, but keeping an eye on what that next generation, you need to always be relevant, right? Yeah, that's knowing your that's just knowing your audience, isn't it? That's what you're describing there is is know your audience, know who you're selling to, know what their values and beliefs. We did an episode on it. Everything, everything's tying together nicely. We did an episode on knowing those beliefs and um, and doing that. We you touched on investment, managing your cash flow. If you want to be here in six months, even then, you know that short period of time, you better make sure you've got enough cash to to get you there. So. I don't think that can be overlooked. It's not the most sexy subject if that's not your bag and managing the, the, the numbers, outsource, partner with someone, but you need to make sure that you've got the, the cash to get there and that you've saved some for a rainy day. No, I completely agree on the, the cash point there, Brad. And it, it's uh, I, I think we agree on this, but it's possibly something, again, ego gets in the way of. Just because it's your business 
doesn't mean you're the right person to lead it or be the CEO. And and what I mean is there is sometimes it is right for you to take a different role yep. to bring the most to the business and let someone that is a CEO by profession lead that business forward. What we're trying to do, right, is we're trying to create a business that has the best chance of success, mm -hmm. the best chance of longevity, the best chance of making an impact. Sometimes that also isn't with the founder, the owner being yeah. the CEO, right? I know you had a, a, a story in our business of that very question. Yeah, you've got to know, you've got to know your limitations and what you're good at and what you enjoy doing. They've all got to play into that. So yeah, let's let's talk about the scenario in in our business where that happened, and it was at the point where we'd just built out the leadership team. So it had gone from being just me and you sat around a table hashing things out. We now had a, a team of five that we met on a Friday and I always describe it as argued. We didn't debate. We had an argument for an hour and then we all left not having achieved anything and probably not liking each other very much after it as well. And at that point, I found a framework that I wanted to to put in that really brought home actually the idea behind you have a right to be a shareholder and, and have some ownership in a business but you don't have any more right to your role than any employee within the business that has to be earned and maintained because you're delivering what the business needs and so I said to the team I, I'm clearly not delivering what we need right now I think I have the answer I have something that I want to bring to the table and I want to try and that was EOS for us uh, and traction give me six months i want to self-implement this and if we're not driving forwards at that point i will step down and i wasn't going to leave the business it wasn't about that it was about moving into a role that was more suited potentially for me maybe a cto role based on my technical background that might have been the better role as it goes the framework and having that in the business allowed me to elevate and therefore allowed the team to elevate and the business to elevate and we continued to drive forwards. And I and I stayed in my role because I at that point had value. And it was the it was the leadership team that actually decided on that for me rather than me deciding it for myself. And I think that was key. So if your business has become stagnant and has lost its drive towards having longevity and being a sustaining business, maybe that is something to look at. Are you the right? Is the right person at the top? Do you belong somewhere else in the business where you might get better fulfillment as well? And I open that up to the team and don't be the person to make that decision. You should have the people that surround you should want to do what's right for the business and give you an honest answer whether you are that are that person that leader that should be driving them forward. It, and that was an interesting time and unexpected to say the least uh, I have to say um, I know you've got a couple more points um, I want to quickly just jump into some real world corporates okay. you could say large companies that have exhibited longevity and I think it might be quite cool to just talk about the similarities between them all okay. as a learning point Coca-Cola 1886 they started Johnson & Johnson Baby powder, shampoo, long list of um, toothpaste, 1886. IBM, 1911. Ford, 1903. And Cadbury's as well. Every single one 
you know the brand. I couldn't name you who's at the top because it's not about the person necessarily. I, when we talk about that, it's not about you. Yep. The brands are all bigger than any single person in them for me. All of them have a, they've spread their risk a little bit. They've got different products. So they, they don't just have one product or one item. They have a, a selection, if you like. And all have embraced innovation. If you look at Ford and, you know, yep. stepping into the EV market rather than saying, no, this is what we do. We make these really cool muscle cars and whatever. They've always stayed on the, the edge of innovation. And particularly with Cadbury's, and this is, at one point they stopped one of their famous products, the, the Freddo, I think it was called. They stopped it at one point and they said, we're not going to make this anymore. And I thought, well, that's crazy. And they've since brought it back, etc. But they're always pushing the barrier. Whoever is in that that organization at the moment, they are constantly talking about pushing the barrier every week, every month, even though that company's been around for 110 years. But it doesn't... uh, It's super important to realize that it isn't their right to remain a sustaining and... Your ongoing company. So I be, you mentioned IBM there, and IBM has a, uh, a quite an interesting story towards sort of late 80s, 90s, where they actually went through a pretty, the, you know, the writing looked like it was on the wall when they were going to go go under due to poor leadership. And that created uh, a particularly toxic culture throughout uh, a business that wasn't working as one globally. And actually, they had to find the right person to come in and be bold enough to to change that and drag it through, yeah, and up to update it really and get rid of some of the older thinking and take calculated risks, right? Take, uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. There's, there's, um, I forget the elephants can't dance is is the book about IBM, and the book talks about how the the CEO that went into IBM to uh, you know effectively try and resurrect it from its impending doom wasn't liked due to going against the grain and doing things that weren't considered very IBM. And what he's managed to do, having exited that for probably about 20 years ago now, he exited that business. It was early uh, early 2000s, if I'm correct, that he's managed to get that business back to being a sustaining business with updated culture that is now ready for you know being sustained with its, with its current leader, which is quite cool. And they had to pivot, right, as well. And it goes back to, we've talked about all these things, the, t- the culture turned toxic. The leadership team has to be good. Um, you've got to take calculated risks. You've got to embrace innovation. They pivoted quite hard between some of the things oh, they, did. they were doing. They, they drastically changed. They shared an awful lot of their, their product lines and really focused on what they believed to be the next big thing. But interestingly, not what everyone else was going after in that space sort of carving out their own niche and realizing, hang on, we're a behemoth. And actually, if we become the integrator of all these things, that's where we're going to thrive moving forwards. So, yeah, you've constantly got to be on the lookout for where's your niche? Has that changing? Is it adapting and and adapt there? So I want to make sure we cover controlling growth. Many a business has had really early success and perhaps got a little bit big for their boots and then fallen off the face of the earth due to product gets sloppy, you can't churn it out quick enough, all of those kind of things. 
and also draw from our own learning. We had a period of growth within our business that we couldn't sustain. And with some messaging and in line with our values, sort of went, hold up. Yep. Customers, we just need to take a little bit of time to make sure that we're where we need to be to continue to put out the product that you expect from us. And and on the point of stopping growth, we were balancing the short-term goals and the long-term goals, right? Is I think that's... It, <laughs> We, we've we've recorded quite a few podcasts now. There is a real synergy between going back to basics sometimes, mm-hmm. when when in the face of adversity or when trying to do something meaningful, sometimes nailing these basic things of culture and leadership. It, it's not sometimes the really, you know, complicated things that can make a big difference. You almost have to ask yourself, what would I do in this scenario? Is or we do, or you know, as the business, what, what what would we do here? Because actually, that's what's ingrained in your culture, and that's usually the right thing to do, rather than what other people would do. And I've got, uh, I'm not going to discuss these at length. I just want to leave them with the audience. If you're trying to build a, a business for longevity, I'd consider thinking or looking at fostering some customer loyalty building some customer loyalty or you want to maximize that customer length, that relationship length as much as possible yep. when you're talking I'd about agree. longevity. So, you know, we we put a lot of work into making sure we're building long-term plans together. If you look at, in the last episode, I, I spoke about Patagonia. I'm sure they're going to be around for a long time because they're building loyal followings. When I was talking about Cadbury's or Ford, they tend to build things based on what their customer wants. They've built loyal followings, etc. And also, when we go back to the culture, in B2C world, your employees are your biggest cheerleaders. Yeah. So, sure. you know, keeping a positive culture will keep that positive nature, that positive message going outbound as well. Um, and otherwise, I think, do things for the right reason is how I'd leave this for me is... is Make decisions on the right thing, uh, the right reasons. Make them for the right reasons. Make them for the right reasons for your customer yep. and for your people. And really, that's the foundation of a long, successful business, as long as you don't have a huge ego. Of course. And I like just to add some things that weren't people-related and that sort of stuff is, is the finance piece. Is if you've got product lines that aren't working for you, actually it's it's like gangrene right we need to lose the limb and you might be able to sell that off to someone that can take that on but that that's going to be key is is don't flog a dead horse if it doesn't work for you or it stop aligning to the goals of the business trust those numbers yeah i guess is what you're getting at there is if it's if it's not doing what it's meant to be doing don't let the emotions take over yeah no absolutely the ego again to it was my idea therefore it must work it has to work no, sometimes the writing's on the wall and, and take appropriate action. Great. I think that's we're done. Absolutely. So we've created a long pong podcast to talk about longevity. And on that note, we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye. <laughs>